invite you to open your Bibles with us to Mark chapter 8 today. This is, we're picking up where we left off last week. Pastor Brad, this weekend, is over in Chicago with his daughter and then going to help his parents move. And so we kind of shifted around a little bit here. But in, we're looking at the end of the chapter of Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 34. I mean, I'm sorry, Mark, thank you. I heard that, Mark. Thank you so much. <laughs> and he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. As we look into this, Today, we are looking in the same region that we did last week when Jesus came to those disciples and he came to Peter and he asked, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And there it was that Peter just said, you're the Christ. And, and the great words of affirmation that you are the living God came from Peter's lips and the Lord, we saw something began to happen. And remember in Caesarea Philippi, this was also in the middle of idolatry. It was surrounded by worship of pagan gods and various levels of idolatry. And there it was that Peter made that great affirmation. But after that, the Lord said, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to give my life. And if you remember correctly, Peter reached a point and said, no, Lord, you're not going to the cross. No, that isn't where kings go. Kings sit on crowns. And, the Lord, and he rebuked the Lord, it says. So the Lord turned around and rebuked Peter. I'm, he said, no, Peter, you're missing it. And as we look further here today, Jesus begins to teach us a lesson that is exceedingly applicable to discipleship and his disciples. Now, this is happening in the midst of all of these gods and goddesses that surrounded Caesarea Philippi. And the Lord Jesus is calling out one God as he begins to teach the lesson. It is a subtle God. It is the God of self, the God of self-worship that robs us of so much and robs God of so much glory. And it even caused those who got involved in pagan idolatry in those days to, it starts often with, the God of self. And as Jesus begins here, it says in verse 34, he summoned the crowd with his disciples. So a crowd has gathered around Jesus. You, know, you notice with me that everywhere Jesus went, the crowd just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and there was Jesus. But now it says he takes, he summons the crowd. They're listening along with his disciples, and he said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, anyone, notice how universal this is. If anyone wishes to come after me, 
He must deny himself. Notice the stand that Jesus takes in the word of God. He must deny himself. And then he says, take up his cross and follow me. When you look at this, some people would say, and it may be true, that it's some of the hardest words that Jesus ever spoke in the Bible. Because he said, I... Look what I have done for you. Look who I am. Look who, what I have done to you for you. And now this is what I'm going to ask you to do. And here it was. People were saying, what does he really mean? Really, if you look back in the course of Christian history, and some of you probably enjoy Christian history, and there are times I've had time to study for a period of time in that, and you'll find that people try to define this in different ways. And they say, this must mean if we can get our list and fulfill it. This is what Jesus is saying. Someone else will say, if we just get the right church. Someone else will say, if we can just do this or just do that. But let's look at this with in the text this morning. Jesus has went to the cross. He's given his life. And he says, if anyone wishes, if you want to come, now I say no one's left out. The gospel picks up every corner of the world. But he says if anyone wishes all the way through Brazil, all the way through the slums, everywhere we want to go, if anyone wishes to come after me, if you want to come, he says he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I remember years ago hearing one of our pastors where I was growing up as a younger uh, Christian minister who would, uh, I, I worked under him for quite a few years and often as he would finish messages, he says, I, we've seen the enemy today, I believe again. And the enemy was us, ourselves. Jesus is speaking of something that is greater than we first see. And we'll look at that in just a moment in different, a couple of illustrations we want to look at. You know, one of the first things we, we make is we make lists or we make uh, commitments or we have this desire, I will do this or I will do that because Jesus is calling me out. He called me out in the word today again. But let's look in the Bible over to John chapter 12, verses 24 through 26, and we will see Jesus beginning to open up a teaching that he opens up in the Bible that's really important that we get. Here Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you. Sometimes it's verily, verily, I say to you. Or again and again, I say this, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. He's saying the wheat has to die. It has to go in the earth and die, okay? He is giving a teaching here that is amazingly profound, and yet it is often forgotten. It remains alone. But if it dies, if it does die, it bears much fruit. He's saying one little grain of wheat in the ground dying, which looks like it's over, bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Notice what Jesus is speaking about. 
it's just opposite what we think of in the flesh. In the flesh, we say, if I love my life, we keep it. In the spirit, we say, uh, if I love my life, I lose it. And Jesus is teaching something in this, in this truth that is so important for each of us to get. I want to put on our, we picked up a tree, and I believe one of our media guys helped us with this. Justin helped us find this tree. Now, this is an apple tree. You look at the apple tree, and on the top, we see what we all, most of us like, probably one of the most universal-like fruits around. And you see the apples on the tree. You go, that's amazing. I love apples. We could probably talk about loving apples. And we look at the, the rest of the tree, and we see a beautiful tree canopy. And that's what we see. And often in the flesh, when we are challenged like this, the first thing we think of is, you know what? That's what I want. I want to bear fruit. I want to bear good fruit. I want to bear fruit that's desirable. I want to bear that which is a blessing to other people. And then another part of that might be, I just want to be a good man or a good woman. I want to, I want to clean up those addictions of my life whatever they might be. But let's look down on the bottom of this because there's a lesson that we see throughout the Bible and everyone knows what's down below the surface in the picture, it's the root. It's what we don't see. It's hidden. It's down there low. It's down there in support not only of the tree, not only of the fruit, but if all the nutrients for that tree flow through the root. And as Jesus is speaking of this great call, he is going low. Most of the time in the Bible, when he is speaking and calling us out, he is going much lower and deeper than we first see. He's going to the heart. He's going to the inward person. And Jesus is saying, if you're going to come after me, You've got to deny yourself. I asked a brother last night, what does that mean to you? And he says, you know, really, it's pretty simple. It is. He said the same word I was thinking and been praying over. He says, it just means to surrender. And I thought, you know, it is, so, it, it is really right. It's a real simple word. But the Lord has an amazing way of taking us to places that challenges us, even as as Christians, to surrender again. When Jesus was calling the disciples, he was saying, if you're going to come after me, you've got to surrender. Now, when the proper root is underneath that tree, this is something, I, I've been an orchardist for quite a few years of my life and have other people that do that today. But the root supplies all of the fluid. The proper choice of the root in that tree makes all the difference in what kind of fruit is up there in the top. And if you choose the wrong root, you've got the wrong fruit. The fruit changes by the root. Even as an apple, a small root can bring out a large piece of fruit. It's really interesting. They call it a mini rootstock. But when Jesus is speaking about this, he is speaking of one word that just doesn't leave me, and it didn't leave the brother, and it doesn't leave me overnight, and that is, if you're going to come after me, I'm asking you to surrender. He's saying, I'm just asking you to say, here I am, God, 
and I'm opening my hands to you. And you can do what you want with me. And then from that surrender comes beautiful leaves. From that surrender comes beautiful fruit. But you can't make beautiful fruit from the top down. You can't make beautiful leaves by constructing a tree in such a way that you're oblivious to the rut that is down below. Jesus is speaking of a call to the human heart in these disciples to surrender, to lay it down, to open our hands, to lay up our wills, to go his way instead of our way. Now, the human battle with the root and the fruit is tied to the will of man. We've got the will that goes against us, and it wars against the Spirit continually. We've got the, the will, and Jesus just is saying, if you want to come after me, you've got to deny yourself. That will can't live. My will. You remember Jesus in submission to the will of the Father? He said, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. But he said, if you want to come after me, notice what he's saying, you deny yourself, you take up your cross, and you follow me. We say, well, what's he talking about? Denying myself. There's times, and, and I, I can confess to you as a younger guy, I would think, is my list complete yet? Did I leave anything off of my list? Jesus is speaking about one paramount discipline of the human heart that we go to the core of our soul and surrender our will to him and say, Lord, you've got me and I will be yours. But he's saying, notice the blessing. He says, if you want to come after me, there's the blessing. And he put parentheses in there. You must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And then he gives this amazing verse that we've already touched in in John. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. If you hang on, you're going to lose it. It's against everything of the status quo of our minds. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Notice if you hang on, you lose it. But if you let go and give it to Jesus, you gain it. It's just upside down because really, uh, you, you've heard this different times. We live in an upside down kingdom, and it's true. The disciples turned the world upside down. The thinking of a disciple is different than the thinking of flesh. The thinking of Jesus is way different than the thinking of a disciple. You know, there was a time that a, a young man came on the scene and some of you may have read from him. I was looking for the book because in the 70s, it actually spoke to my heart in a major way by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was an imprisoned pastor in World War II. He was put in prison for his faith. And there it was that Dietrich began to write, and he wrote this book called The Cost of Discipleship. And some of the things he began to write in there was so radical as I would read them, I couldn't believe them. I looked and looked, where's the book? I've loaned it out. One of the brothers here kept it for a year. And this morning I got in the, over here in my office, I go, there it is. Wow. And Jeff McIvers, I said, Jeff, let me read you some of these sayings. But what Bonhoeffer began to teach was it was more about surrender than doing. Discipleship was about surrendering to the Lord. It was more about a focus on Jesus 
than looking at the hardships before us. One of the things I I read in, in that book was, you will no longer, as a surrendered disciple of Jesus Christ, see the road that is too hard for you. It's too hard. And the rough places and the bumps, you'll see the one who's leading the way and going ahead of you down the road. His name is Jesus. But discipleship is turning your eyes on Jesus. 1945, he was executed for his faith and his resistance to the war at that time. Only a 38-year-old man, but the Holy Spirit had worked in his life in such a way that he was calling an entire religious world to inner discipleship that was getting lost in the mass of just the rush of life. There's a, there's a verse in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, I want to look at this morning too. Because this, as we look at this, it says, there's three things, if you notice with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We say, okay, this, this is surrender. What's taking up the cross? And as we look in Colossians chapter 3, and we look at this together, we'll see something that is really interesting about taking up the cross. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, that's the first prerequisite, raised up by faith in Jesus Christ, raised to walk in newness of life, raised into a new position in Christ Jesus. If you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Take up the cross. Here comes the secret. Seek the things that are above. Notice what Paul says here, not on things of the earth. The choice is which are we going to seek? In a complete surrender to the Lord Jesus, we say, Lord, I want the things that are above. I want your best. No matter the cost to me, no matter the price that you're calling me to to pay to do that. But notice the action of this Seek those things that are above. Sometimes you may get the idea in the Christian life that the Lord has done it. We say, well, just sit in the chair and enjoy life because God's done so much. But God challenges his disciples to spiritual discipline. Seek those things that are above. Notice the next thing. Set your mind on things above. Not on things of the earth. Set. Seek and set your mind. It is a voluntary choice through the power of the Holy Spirit, of the will within us, that, Lord, we're going to set our mind on things above. He says, for you have died, and your life is hid with Christ and God. One of the parts of setting our mind on things above is recognizing what has taken place as a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old things are passed away. Everything has become new. We have now died, and our life is is." is is hid in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. And here Paul is speaking of a, a beautiful challenge that goes in light of the area we're looking this morning when Jesus says, if you want to come after me, if you do, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Seek those things that are above. 
If you want to experience the fullness of Jesus Christ, if God, you want God to use you, you've got to make the hard decisions. We've got to make the difficult decisions we don't want to make in the flesh. And this is where Jesus is as he, as he talks about this. Going on in Paul's writing, he speaks about mortifying these, earth, these earthly mortal parts of our body and let them die all the lust and all of the envy and all of the hatred and all the bitterness and all the pride and everything there. He says, let those go. And he says, put those all aside. But here it was that Jesus was saying, I want to tell you, and I'm going to linger there, is remember this, set your, seek the things that are above, set your mind to things that are above. Never forget, you're a new man. Your life is hid with Christ and God. You are a new person in Christ Jesus. And the old things are passed away and everything has become new. Look at this again with me together, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life, notice how, for my sake and the gospels will save it. Losing a life is more than dying. It's more than a physical death. In all reality, we've stood here and we've heard Kyle share for five to 10 minutes of what God is doing over there. The power of God's work in Belém, Brazil is directly tied to people like Kyle choosing to lose their life for Jesus Christ. Losing reputations, losing positions. And Jesus says, if you choose to lose your life, you will gain it. And here he is speaking about something that is so upside down and mixed up in a world that says, grab it, hold it, do it, because you can do it. And the word of God says, no, he can do it through you. You cannot do it, but he can. He can do it through you. And Paul would shout that different places in the word of God. As we look a little further here into this, um, we might say, you know, what is the battle in that? You know, we, we looked at three areas. Notice that. It says, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. What's the battle? Now, there is a war that's going on. And I want to turn with us in our, uh, on the screen over to 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, and we're going to see the war. There's the war. I remember one time up, a visiting pastor as a young guy coming into our church. The church was packed, and we were going to hear this guy speak, and he was going to take this as a message, and he says, you know, guys, I don't know many of you, and I've came as a visitor, but I already know one thing about you. You got the same problem where you live as I have where I live. It is the world, the flesh, and the devil. And this is what John summarizes right here. And if we look at this together, notice what John is saying. Love not the world. Here comes the world. Now, the world isn't simply surprise Arizona or United States or USA. Notice as we keep going, nor the things that are in the world. Don't love those things. They will keep you from discipleship. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Notice how clear John is in his writing. If you're going to go there, 
You can't deny yourself. You can't take up your cross and follow Jesus. That doesn't mean that we do not enjoy that which Jesus gives us to enjoy. It doesn't mean that. Paul wrote to Timothy and says, God gives us liberally all things to enjoy. But he said, look at this. Don't fall in love with these things. There's one lover of your soul who is faithful completely to you. His name is Jesus Christ. He went to the cross and redeemed you. He bought you with his blood. Don't let the world bring you into its flow. He goes on and he says within the same verse, for all that is in the world. Now, here we come. The lust of the flesh. It's lust in every way that lust wants to work. It could be what we see. It could be what we do. But notice what he says. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Now John is referring through the spirit further than just the outward. He's not saying just what you do. It's what you're seeing, what you're beholding. I think it was Job that said, how can my eyes even look on a maid? Because I am committed to my Lord that I will not look on the maid. The lust of the eyes, and the last one he said, the pride of life. And what he's saying is lust keeps us from following the Lord Jesus. Pride keeps us from following the Lord Jesus. When Jesus calls us, and here he's just simply saying, don't go there. And notice this, he says, the world's passing away and also all of its lust, it's all gonna be over. But the one who does the will of God or who says, Lord, I want you more than anything else abides forever. He's saying, Lord, I've heard your voice. I'm gonna follow you. And he's saying, the one who does the will of God abides forever. Now he goes on and he's asked a question, a, a very uh, important question. It's one that uh, we spend our life looking at. And he says it like this, what does it profit a man if he will gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What profit will there be? And what will a man give in exchange of his soul? What he's saying, there's no exchange. If you sell your soul, you will never get anything close to the value of what the Lord Jesus Christ can give you. Notice how he asks that question. And he says, then he asks two questions, and what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And he's saying, this is a very serious, important part of the word of God. I remember reading years ago about an emperor who died back, died back in the 500s or 400s, and he was called Charles the Great. And as he passed away, Charles the Great was given, he was recognized in France as a great emperor, and he was given a great burial. And they put him in a, into a tomb. And they said, let's give this king the greatest burial we possibly can. And so they took Charles the Great in his state, and they put a wonderful robe around him. They sat him on the very best throne they could find. They put on his head a golden crown that was studded with gems. They put in his right hand a golden sepulcher. And then someone remembered he liked the Bible, and they said, let's open the Bible, and let's go ahead and just put it in his lap. 
and then someone laid his hand over the, over the Bible, and they walked out, and they sealed the tomb. Years later, the tomb was opened, and they went in there, and they looked inside the tomb, and the crown that came from his head, because all that was left was the bones of Charles the Great. The robe had fallen down from his frame. It was over. And the scepter had fallen from his, from his hand. But they looked at his hand that had been placed in the Bible, and it was pointing to one verse. And this is the verse. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You see what Jesus is doing as he gives us, us this important teaching today is he gives us a standard too high for us to climb over, a wall too high for us. It isn't, we don't have the power, but he is giving us the key through a surrendered life that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Notice the next verse, it says, for whoso, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, Jesus calls it out. Sometimes I think it's getting really bad. America's getting bad. We've seen a really tough week, and we have. But notice what he says. But if you're ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of the Father with his holy angels. He's saying, you know, Jesus, when he went to the cross, wasn't ashamed of us. That was the purpose of his death. The purpose of his going was because he wasn't ashamed of us. And now he says, you have the privilege now as his children to not be ashamed of him. To stand up for Jesus. To walk as a Christian, unashamed, living a Christian life in the middle of wickedness and darkness and declaring the praises of the Almighty God. And Jesus says, when you do this, I won't be ashamed of you. I will declare you my child, my daughter. And just like today, in the little lesson we had here with Kyle, here is a family that has went over, and we followed the journey now for a while, and there's times it's been really lonely. There are times they've cried out and they said, we just need prayer. We don't know what God's doing right now. And sometimes we can look at this, but the Lord says, don't be ashamed of me. That's the great lesson here. I wasn't ashamed of you. I went to the cross for you. I redeemed you. You have the privilege to stand up and not be ashamed of me in the day in which we live. A few weeks ago, some of our other grandchildren were up, were down here from Arizona from Washington State, and a couple of my grandsons are getting a little older. They wanted Grandpa to take them a little ride on the motorbike that Grandpa has, and so I, I put them on the motorbike and just took a little simple ride up, not very far, didn't go very fast, got the helmet on, tried to do everything like I should. And I was taking this second 11-year-old son with me, and, and the motorbike has a stereo and it's plain, and here comes this song by Casting Crowns, I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me, only Jesus. And our grandson said, Grandpa, turn it up. Because that's what I want to be. I want only Jesus. From 11-year-old grandson 
and I turned it up. And he was singing back there. And I was on the way back home, and I could just hear him saying, I don't want to leave a legacy. I only want them to remember me and only Jesus. And this is what it is as we come to this place of denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following him. There is one legacy we want to lead, leave. There is one message we want to leave. There is one hope for a dying world we want to leave, and it is Jesus, only Jesus. And as one chooses, even in this sanctuary or wherever there is the call of God to deny yourself again and take up your cross and follow him, what you're really saying is, Lord, I only want you. That's it. Nothing else matters but you. And when it's all said and done, I want one thing to matter, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know how God is speaking to you today. This isn't a one-time voice of God. It isn't a one-time place that God just speaks to us. He speaks to us many times in our life and says, you want to come after me? Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Lay it down. Lay it all down, every bit, every last bit. And what all looks like looks different to every soul that God speaks to, to every person. And I don't know today what God is saying here, but I know he's speaking that somewhere as we sit like I have sat under the sound of the word like this and the Holy Spirit has spoken to me like he does you and said, you've got to let that go. It's too big for you. You can't carry that burden, but I can carry it. You can't do that accomplishment, but I can do it through you. And he's saying, lay it down and take up your cross and follow me. Say, Lord, I surrender. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not giving up. I'm going to live an active Christian life. I'm going to abound in your work. I will be fruitful wherever you take me by your grace. But it's going to be you and your legacy and your power through me that is changing people's lives to your glory. And we are going to have the worship team come up and they're going to have one last song, but I want us to think about this because if God has spoken to you today and there is a place of surrender he's calling you to, maybe we didn't think about it like surrender, maybe, but as he has called out to you in the word of God, if God calls you to this altar, come. If he calls you to the altar that's out there in the sanctuary, come. Because this is your opportunity. And remember that one searching question that Jesus asked when he said, what does it ever profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? If he's opened up one compartment and says, that's the one you can't go in, Jesus, today. Surrender today. He's done that to me. It hasn't been very long ago. And I believe by God's grace, he can do it with every person here so we can turn and say, Lord, I want to follow you. And I'm going to leave a legacy of your goodness and grace and power in my family, through my community, wherever I am. And if you haven't taken the first step, 
and you've never surrendered to Jesus Christ, today is the day to do it. Come today and surrender. It may be the last opportunity. And the exchange is the most lopsided exchange we'll ever make in any transaction that will ever be made in the face of the earth. We give up ourselves for all the riches and glory and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit that comes on us at times as we read your word. Lord, I thank you for the teachings of the word that sometimes I just want those that feel good, but also you call me to a place to deal with the harder places of the word of God, Lord, in my own heart, and I thank you for that. Oh, Lord, we surrender to you today. We want your will. Oh, Lord, we want to go in your way and not our way. We want to follow you to where you want us to go. And you promise us you'll never be ashamed of us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. But you'll be with us until the end of the world. And if you take us to the end of the world, Lord Jesus, I pray that we will just continue to follow you as a surrendered vessel in your service until you come again as our prayer. Lord, I pray for the person here who has not yet surrendered. Speak to their heart. Let them see, Lord, your love. Let them see your forgiveness. But more than that, let them see where you went to give them the privilege of surrender today as you gave your only, your only life and that God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in Christ's name, amen.